0: Okay, so we're back with the Juby Take. I'm Steve. I'm Adam. And with us tonight is Mr. John
1: Casper. Good evening. JC. Well, that doesn't work.
0: Yeah.
2: No. Well. Actually, I think I'm older than TJC, so. You know, well, I'm he's not TJC really, anymore. Yeah, he's yeah. Joey Soundboard. He's Joey
0: Soundboard, so.
2: So I get my name back. There you go. There you <laughs> go.
0: Okay, so tonight we're going to talk about vehicles. We're going to talk about why do you drive what you drive. Yeah. What's the
1: thought process behind
0: it? There are so many vehicles out there and, you know, you just, you can't survive without one.
1: Exactly. You got to be able to get to A to B, whether it's your job or home or wherever. Even if you're a introverted hermit, you're going to have to get somewhere at some point.
2: So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the question itself is kind of interesting. Yeah. I think, you know, quite like, why do you drink what you drink? the answers are going to be multifaceted. Totally. Exactly. So, you That's know, I don't know what you feel so or what well, and, perspective and speaking, on polysyllabic verbiage like that you know, is. And speaking of, of drinking,
0: it, we're going to have a lot of different perspectives tonight about that kind of thing. dang share. So, you know, obviously vehicles, there's, you know, the, a diverse group. You know, you have the sports car. Right. I've always kind of what's, had a f- what's sports left car. Of it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I, Paul Walker did.
0: Yeah, and you know, I have my pickup that I've had since '05 was my company truck, and I ended up getting my hands on it before I left Aztec, and now right, you know, I you just inherited went, it a little just, bit. Well, I, I just love it. I love yeah. driving it. It's I a just, nice truck. I just went over 200,000 miles with it. It's solid, nice. And my intention is to drive it until one the of us can't go fall anywhere. Out, huh?
2: Oh, so you probably got get... another 300k you can get on there. Good add-on there. So yeah, that's nice. and
0: hopefully. And then John, you have the hot rod, pony car,
2: I guess is retro. Yeah, Dodge the re- Challenger. The re-
0: yeah, the retro muscle car from the seventies. Right when they redid the Challenger. Mm, yeah. You yeah. had to have one.
2: And red and white, kind of my acknowledgement back to Starsky and Hutch and their car. There you was. go.
0: Oh yeah. Well, that was a wasn't that a Torino? A f- Ford, yeah. Yeah, that was a Ford. The Chall- Challenger has always been one of my favorite cars. When it came out, just the body style and the lines of it, I just, I love that car.
1: You know, I, I don't, I have a different perspective on that.
0: Oh, uh, okay. Well,
1: not being around when, you know, those cars were originally introduced into the world, you know. Uh, I have only really, I guess when I uh, saw them was when they were recreated. And the the model that you have now, John, with the Challenger. Mm-hmm. I remember when, when the Charger, I think, was the first remake that came out, and then the Challenger came after that. I remember thinking that the, the Charger was really cool, but then when the Challenger came out, I was like, it blew it out of the water for me. As far as body style and how it looked.
2: Yeah. Uh, they resurrected the Charger name, but it was a complete redesign. Uh, oh, yeah. no It really didn't look anything to, like to, the original yeah, char- Chargers. They, they
1: but the Challenger does, right? The, the, yeah. That thin oh, look absolutely. to the, the front the, end.
2: The back end, the uh, haunches on the over the rear tires, and yeah. The, the entire body shape is very reminiscent, as close as they could get and still meet today's uh, safety standards and manufacturing uh, needs and things like that.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, that period of time in the in the early '70s, late '60s, you had the Challenger. You also had the Barracuda. Ooh, I like the Cudas. And then you also, you know, then the Camaros and the Mustangs, yeah, those were the muscle cars during okay. that period of time.
2: Oh, the, there were so many. Yeah, yeah, the, those are the classics. The GTO. Oh uh, Judge, yeah, and some of those the Hurst four forty two. Um, you know the Chevelles. Um, uh, yeah, League Chevelle SS three ninety
0: six and sixty nine. One of actually, he was a kid that was a year behind me. His parents bought him one when he was well. He must have been seventeen. He was a junior. So yeah, they bought him a brand new uh, green Chevelle SS 396. Mm
1: -hmm. So John, was your goal, you know, since you were younger and you saw those other cars to eventually have that kind of muscle car? Or was that something that later in life you decided to go into that way with your car, your personal car?
2: So we probably need to kind of have a, you know, almost a history of all the vehicles I've owned. Okay, (laughs) we can go into that for sure. And yeah, the first two were, you know, uh, cars my dad bought and, you know, let me, and then my sisters drive. Okay. And ironically, the first two were both uh, 1965 Chevy Bel Airs. The first one was uh, three speed, three in the tree with l 230 a L230, a six cylinder inline engine. And yeah, for a learner car, that wasn't bad. Um, I don't know if you want to. But it wasn't ahead. your
1: choice. Kind of you inherited it, it from was, your dad. It
2: was a car.
1: Yeah, I was. I it.
2: was 16. Exactly. <laughs> well, and what and do you need?
0: Right, and and that's one of the issues is that, you know, are you driving something because it's a car mm-hmm. and you have access to it and, oh you yeah. know, then later it's you can afford you to buy what you want.
2: Yeah, and, you know, that car had, you know, some of its own idiosyncrasies. The shift linkage was uh, a little bit loose, uh, you know, so occasionally you'd be, on the column trying to make that shift from first to second yeah, and it would get hung up between gears. So you'd have to coast off to the side of the road and get underneath with your tire iron and wedge the shift linkage back into place. Um, <laughs> yeah. Kind of an aside, you know, kind of one of the like stories a fun stories with this. Um, my sister got her uh, license a year after I did. And, you know, I thought, you know, this is my car. This isn't hers, but that was not, my parents' perspective on things.
0: There we go.
2: Um, you know, it was that car was for the family, not just John's car. Right, right. And so, you know, she went in and complained to my mother, you know, he won't let me have the keys. So my mother said, you know, made me give her the keys. So I handed them over and she went out and got in the car and started it up and sat there for a while. And pretty soon she came back in the house and she looked at my mother and she said, "Mom." make him put it in reverse for me.
0: There you go. <laughs> well,
2: you know, I can say that cuz she'll never listen to <laughs> this po- well, I might get her to listen to this pot. There you there go. There you
0: go. But that's, um, you know, that's one of the things and I remember that when I was younger. The the same kind of thing is you have a vehicle that you just you make work.
1: Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. So then the next car, another Chevy Bel Air, uh, 1965, but this one was a step up. This had um a small eight a 283 in it with an Ooh, automatic dang now that 283 was a nice little engine you know yeah. a small v8 and you know for a kid you know it's definitely a step oh yeah
1: one. i don't um, think i've ever had a v8 car ever
2: yeah so let's see after that that was a car i drove from wisconsin down here to arizona to go to asu no air in the car, um, that was kind of, uh, interesting, I know we were, my dad rode on the trip, uh, out here with me, and we were coming down out of Black Canyon City, and he'd been sleeping, I was driving, he woke up and he looked at me, he says, I know you've wrecked the car and killed us both, because we're in hell. (laughs) Oh,
0: absolutely.
2: (laughs) Um, but yeah, I drove that, uh, those confounds, and I spent kind of, nice uh, freshman uh, you know, on campus in the fraternity and having a car, and not an awful lot of the fraternity guys had a car, so that you know made me semi-popular. Well, yeah. there you go. Yeah, yeah. In fact, that's probably why they accepted me into the frat because they knew I had a car. It was definitely <laughs> something that uh, when
1: you're younger it gives you a leg up on the other kids around you. If you oh, have yeah. a vehicle in oh, high yeah. school, I was yeah the same thing. Yep. And you have that that way to get around. Everyone wants to be be with you.
2: So, from there, then we jump forward a little bit uh, to uh, after I got out of the army, short stint there. Um, the first time I got to pick a car and went around. Budget was definitely a major factor here. But still, you,
1: you when you, even though you have a budget, you can still tell someone you know about the car they.
2: Yep, and believe it or not, I went with AMC, American Motors, no longer in business. Right. Um, but I uh, got a javelin.
1: A uh, javelin. No idea. Is it a car, oh, truck? Is it a? It's it a was, sporty.
0: It's a sporty, AMC, which was Rambler before it was AMC. Okay.
2: I'll, I'll and, have to get you some pictures. It yeah, was not we'll look bad. at it. They're
0: not bad um, looking, and there were two different versions of that. There was the one with the 390. Which was a rocket ship, and there was a one with a two ninety in it.
1: Okay.
2: Well, and there was one other one. So, but well, this first one. Oh, a three forty or something. A
0: three sixty. Three sixty. Okay.
2: Um, that was not this first one that I had. This one was a I don't even remember the engine. It might have been a six, Uh, three speed on the floor. Not a performance vehicle, but it look so. It's it's kind of like getting a six cylinder Challenger today. Yeah. It's, it it's looks like what's nice, the point? You should just but, be taken out
0: back yeah, and beaten. <laughs> yeah, skinny tires. You're sale. not getting it, right?
2: So I got that. It was a '74. I bought it in '76, and I kept that for two years, and then I got my second AMC Javelin, and this time I bumped up to the Javelin AMX with the 360. Okay, and that that car was awesome. Kept um, that
1: one around for a little bit longer.
2: So. I got that about the same time, um, one of my three best friends, there were four of us that hung around all the time. He bought a brand new IROC Z, Camaro IROC, and that wasn't an IROC, it was just a Camaro Z28, uh, had a different friend years later that got an IROC, Okay. Uh, different stories. <laughs> um, so <laughs> we, we, we used to do a lot of camping in northern wisconsin and that means a lot of twisty roads to get from the milwaukee those are fun to drive and yeah he he had this nice brand new camaro and he couldn't hang with me at all well they
0: never they never could corner a camaro has never been a road car sorry pat (laughs) quarter-mile car (laughs) dude it's it's just the truth the (laughs) big motors in the front they never did handle all that well
2: it was and still is i think the best road handling car i have ever owned um i was about the same time that um who's it donovan who's was winning an scca championship uh road racing with a, an amc javelin um
1: it wasn't donovan donahue McNabb. donahue McNabb. mark donahue okay. mark donahue
2: yeah yeah, yeah. um Nice. So Good. Thanks. That was a good I good trying. Donovan
0: McNabb is oh,
2: close. Let's yeah. trying. It's... Um, I bought that in 78. It was a 76. I bought it in 78, and I drove that for eight years. Okay. And so the interesting thing toward the end of that run was the mileage I was getting with that car. I was down to about, oh, I don't know. Two gallons per 10 miles but we're talking water yeah it had cooling system challenges yeah and yeah you know, every time we would fix something on the coin the next weakest link would yeah because you got well, some pressure in when you get yeah, those kind of cars that's yeah. one
0: of the reasons that uh you know the amc isn't around anymore and the <laughs> ramblers you know
2: well I, I, as much as anything a lot of the problems you know were freeze plugs and yeah, I don't know if you guys are familiar, you yeah. probably know, I know what a freeze plugs. plug is. Not, uh,
1: not super familiar, but. Yeah,
2: it's a plug in the block to, um, if it gets so cold that things freeze, the, the whatever plug. is freezing will blow this out rather than crack your block. Okay. Right. Right. It's a yeah. protective. And a, freeze plug. Be, because I'd been driving in Wisconsin in winters with salt on the roads, the corrosion, so, it oh. didn't cause a problem while I was in Wisconsin, but after I moved out here to Arizona, you know, it just continued to eat away. And oh, yeah. let me tell you, changing some of those freeze plugs, it, it is a pain. It's a lot and of fun, huh? I didn't have a, you know, a lift, you know, so we had to jack it up. Oh, yes. And then you have to get in and there's only, you know, 18 inches and try and bang a hammer under there you can't you, you yeah. can't get a swing everything is a little six inch tabs you know
1: they have i believe a hammer it's like a it's an automatic hammer that it like you don't even have so, to move you just sit there and it'll just hammer things yeah it's, it's well as an aside
2: i have a palm hammer yeah you probably didn't um, have it i
1: just thought i'd l- tell the listeners well that there's it's out there so just yeah. in case they want and it, at this know, point this i'm going to kind
0: of wrangle us back to why <laughs> we drive what we drive
2: all right so um now that car is getting old and I'm working and one of the guys I'm working with gets a new car. And this is where we got the IROC Camaro. He got that IROC and that was awesome. And I decided I wanted a new car. So I couldn't get an IROC. I couldn't get a Camaro because he had one. Of going. course, you can't get so the same car as your friend. So I'm looking around and looking around and looking around. Just everything out there, everybody has. Until I came across a Buick... And it was an 86 T-Type. Now, if you're familiar with the last runs of the Regals in the mid-60s... Then uh, I'll were, be absolutely amazed. Yeah. <laughs> they, they were going to end the the Regal, uh, the Turbo Regal, okay. in 85. But demand caused them to decide to go one more year into 86. And to close out the run of these they made a special edition, uh, all black bumpers Grand National. Okay. Now This was a small eight, uh, 3.8 liter intercooled turbocharged.
1: Sounds fast.
2: So now I couldn't afford a Grand National, but I did find a T-type on the lot used, had 500 miles on it. And I was able to buy that. Uh, there're only four differences between the T type I bought and the Grand National the black bumpers my bumpers had some chrome on them okay um, do you like chrome the, is this chrome oh the black was cool the okay. all black it was it was done to be was to the look way to go. mean yeah um so uh bumpers was one um, it had an eighth of an inch diameter, bigger panhard rod. What's on the back end for rear stabilization. It had a heavy duty battery and the last upgrade was the seats had a turbo six logo on it. Man, so that's important. Those were the four things I didn't get with mine and saved you know, like five grand. Yeah. It. And, I... and five grand in 86 was significant. Um, it so, sounds
1: like you made the right decision or are at least yeah, were this, fell into this the car right decision.
2: had, you know, some great stories. Uh, you probably aren't familiar with, uh, Kenny Bernstein, the drag strip champion. Nope. Um, he took one and there was, uh, oh it was a Carn driver or auto week or somebody did a whole, um, play on him. He took one out to the drag strip and, you know, there's all kinds of, um, technical information on how to get the proper launch for the turbo and you know tire pressures and all of that. oh yeah um the other interesting thing about the regal um fbi purchased a significant number of them to use for two reasons. number one uh, they wanted uh, a pursuit vehicle so they wanted the the speed but beyond that they also like the trunk space Hmm. and what they needed there was a place they could store long weapons, and this met that. So there were an awful lot of official, you know, government-owned Turbo Regals out there for a while. <laughs> um, that car was, it, it was awesome to drive. You'd get in and you give it some gas, and not much happens. And all of a sudden, it's kind of like being in a jet airplane. All of a sudden, you're being pushed back in your seat, but it's, and then you're just screaming all of a sudden. And, you know, part of that is, you know, with the turbocharger, that's exhaust driven. So you got to build some RPMs first before it helps build more RPMs. Um, and then the intercooler part um, cooled the air. Colder air gives you more air per mass, But the colder air gives you better combustion. You can get more power. So it was a six-cylinder. It was a, a, a 3.8 liter six-cylinder. Oh, okay. Um, wasn't worth the damn cornering. It was a straight line car, but city driving streetlight to streetlight. Awesome.
1: Yeah. Awesome. So it depends on, depends on so, where you live. Cause you, you talk about here. That's awesome. And that's what the street is. But you, you talk about driving up in Portland, Oregon, you know, that's not what street driving is, you know, everything's a corner and steep or, you know, turning this way or that way. <laughs> So a little different
2: having that out here, as opposed to having that in Wisconsin, I don't think I would have wanted, uh, I don't know. That's hard to say. Uh, If if you've got a car with posi traction, you know, you you don't need four wheel drive. You can drive in snow. You just have to be careful. You got to know how to drive
1: in snow, (laughs) which is different.
2: And getting going is not really the concern it's making sure you can stop it once you get going and that's what so many people don't think about i used to see a lot of um, pickup you know four-wheel drive pickups and things like that they were great at getting started and going and then all of a sudden they kept going (laughs) (laughs) so Uh, how
0: did the regal take you to the challenger yeah how did that all how did all
2: of that okay now we got to go back so back when i was the javelins Yeah. And it was kind of a choice on, you know, what pony car I was interested in because I definitely knew I wanted something like that. Okay. Um, So you've
1: always felt that you wanted that kind of, that you say pony car, but it's just kind of the, the roadster kind of muscle car, right?
2: Well, all right. So they were ponies because they were kind of the smaller cars, the Mustang, the Camaro, and, um, the Challenger the Cuda. Okay. As opposed to some of the bigger, you know, the Roadrunners and the Chargers. Okay. Those were big muscle cars. The Pony cars had big engines in smaller bodies. Smaller cars. Okay. Pony. Okay. Horses, ponies. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. But it was kind of a a choice. I really liked the Challengers and the Cudas back then. Um, But when I first came across the um, the first Javelin, the brown six-cylinder three-speed, yeah, I like that. And then after that, uh, again, I was getting rid of that and trying to decide, and that uh, Javelin AMX with the 360 just stole my heart. That that too was a red uh, with white trim. Okay. So, you know, I've got a pattern going there too. Right, right. <laughs> so it was the purchase
1: of that um, one that kind of.
2: So in in the back of my mind, I always wondered if I would have liked the Challenger better. Okay. I, I, I never regretted the the javelin. The decision. And to you this made. to this day. I, that car was awesome. Remind me later if we have time I can tell you some other stories about. It. <laughs> <laughs> um but then in two thousand seven is when Dodge reintroduced the Challenger. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's when, you know, I started thinking, you know probably like to get one of those.
1: So immediately when you heard that it was coming out with that remake it kind of triggered in your mind, I have a second chance.
2: Yeah. And you know, I had uh, see, a couple of cars in between. Yeah, um, But it was fact, going I, back you know, to that decision but, that really fired oh yeah, this one. Up. Absolutely. Well, the interesting you
0: know, the interesting thing that happens is it, you know, for everybody it's different. Vehicles are, are very individualized yes. as far as what motivates you to buy something. Is it the look, you know, is it the performance? Uh, is it the convenience? It's, it's, you know, the, it's
1: the purpose behind why you're doing it.
0: Right. You know, it just like for, for us, uh, when we had all the kids, you know, it was minivans right? because minivans are so functional. All the kids fit in it. Everybody has their space. Right. You know, people aren't climbing over each other and those were awesome. You know now they're kind of getting away from the minivan look, yeah, and going to like Chad and Marie have the Traverse, and it's basically a minivan, but it's, it's not. A, it's a
1: minivan SUV kind of com, combine it Right, oil. a crossover. I don't yeah. know. They have names for all these different things. I believe they are called crossovers. To but be, but
0: they're actually. they're so functional. Yeah, you know because again it's it's so easy. For the kids to get in and out. Everybody has their
1: own it's what you seat. need it for in the time. I mean, I don't think you, maybe, you know, when all the kids were younger and you needed to get around everywhere, you probably, John, you probably wouldn't have thought to get a Challenger at that time. I'm sure that the timing of when it came out and when you were able to buy it played into that as well. Or no, maybe, maybe that was just you <laughs> set on it and ready to, wanted to go.
2: So we've kind of glossed over the from 1990 well 95 to 2012 and that's the bulk of the period uh, that play into that a little kids. bit yeah so um certainly diane had vehicles as well and oh yeah um in fact she had two she had uh, both of them purchased from her dad concurrently she had uh, a small pickup um I'm trying to remember what the a Nissan, I think, and a uh, Toyota Cressida station wagon. And she kept that wagon for a couple of years. And then um, her dad had another Cressida wagon he was trading in. So she bought another Cressida from her. <laughs> So we had, you know, station wagons through that period. Um, and then in 96, we leased our first Suburban we did two three year leases on suburban 3 years 2 years something like that
1: but when you bought that you were thinking family wise right
2: oh yeah and with the three rows of seats and the ability to put a uh, luggage container on the roof it gave us the ability to make you know many trips down to uh, rocky point no oh, absolutely yeah or the trips you know we took uh, several trips with lots of people to um, San Diego or Disneyland. Um, We were, you know, with the Scouts. Um, There was one time I wasn't able to go, but they wanted to take my vehicle anyway. So (laughs) I I went. I think I've done
0: that once or twice.
2: Uh, I think people have. It's it's, Well, so,
0: but the whole idea of the Suburban was the functionality of
2: it. Oh, absolutely. So,
0: and, and again, that's kind of, you know, what we're talking about tonight is, is the fact that, you know, why we have different things, you know, the, the minivan is the functionality. It certainly isn't the look. It certainly isn't the idea that somebody's going to look at your car and go, wow, you know, that's absolutely awesome that you have that. But it's the functionality. You know, now, you know, with the Suburbans, and you still have the Yukon, which is mm-hmm. similar.
2: Oh, yeah, same, just upgraded, you know, GMC yeah. versus Chevy.
0: But when you have, when you pull up someplace in the Challenger, and it's all shiny and looking good, and it sounds great. Then people kind of look at it, you know. When you go walking in someplace, you take about five steps towards the place you're going into, and then you'll turn and look back, and it's that kind of vehicle, you know. And those are fun to own.
2: I still get people that drive past me, and as they're going by, you know, thumbs up and yeah. things like that. You know,
0: and the motivation, and that's
2: absolutely that's why you buy that. You that know? have you ever had? car
1: that you would say was that that you ever felt you got out of and you look back or you felt like you got out of it walked five steps and then you realize that there's eyes on your car on you cuz that's what you just walked well, out
0: of. I, honestly, I don't know that I've ever had a car that that everybody would consider that. Yeah. Now, I thought the Murano that we had was a gorgeous car. It was very nice. And I loved that car. Yeah. And it was a 2005 Murano. All-wheel drive, Zach's high school car. Oh, man, that lucky. Yeah, he's pretty lucky for that one. That's Son of a... He drove it back and forth to school every day. And I I still have the pictures from the the camera there on Warner and Rural, the traffic camera that proves the fact that he was driving (laughs) back and forth. (laughs) It's a mile and a half from our house to the school, and somehow he felt like he needed to drive 60 miles an hour.
1: Well, when you have a sports car like that. And that was a great
0: car. Honestly, the, the first new car I ever bought uh, was a 1973 uh, Mercury Capri. I was going to say it was the Capri. And that's when they were made in Germany. So they were imported by Lincoln Mercury. And that was a car. It's, it was a smaller car. Uh, it had a V6 in it, uh, factory four speed, and it would burn the tire in three gears.
1: Was What was the purpose behind you buying that car?
0: Um, I went into a dealership one night and they told me I could have it. <laughs> so it's easy as I, that. Yeah. I mean, I'm just out of college. Yeah. And, you know, I've got a job. And so they said, Yeah, you know, for this many monthly payments. Here you go. You know, and and this was it was an absolutely gorgeous car and it was incredibly fast. You talk about handling didn't handle where the shit
1: because it was so,
0: all, all weight on the front end. Yeah. And there was no weight on the back end, but boy, would that thing fly.
1: So when it gets wet on the ground, that's when you're in trouble, right? Oh,
0: it, it could be dry. Yeah. I remember <laughs> I'd left football practice one night. I was playing city league football, flag football. And after football practice, which was a matter of going out and running around with a bunch of buddies of mine, Yeah, we stopped and had a few beers and I was on commercial you know, we're in, in Salem South Commercial. Oh yeah. Splits on Liberty and Commercial. Yeah. Okay, so I'm at a light, and uh, about a block and a half ahead, they turn into one-way streets. So Commercial comes south, and Liberty goes north. So I'm sitting at this light, and I'm looking over, and we'd had some beers at after practice because you you need to you right. Know. At I that mean, point it's, after you got to talk about everything that happened. Yeah. So I'm sitting at this light, and I'm looking over, and there's a guy in a Triumph that's just giving me a look. Oh, I know that look. John, you know that look? You've seen that look, John. Yeah, he knows that look.
2: I've given that look. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So I'm sitting there, and I'm like, let's do this thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, no problem. So I, I mean, I'm in first, and I light it up in first. I hit second, and I hear it again. And I hit third, and I hear it again. Now I'm flying up towards this. Now I've got to make a, you know, a right hand, and then a left. Kind of a chicane. Yeah. And so... I mean, I've got my foot to the floor, and it hasn't come up, yeah, oh yeah, from the time yeah. I dumped the clutch, I mean it's speed shifting, oh yeah, and I come around, and the back end decides that you you're going too fast, and now the back end is gonna now you know flip around to the front, yeah, it's gonna go first, yeah, and so i I hit the brakes, stopped before I could hit the curb, got it straight again, and went, and I look in my mirror, and this tramp comes around the corner. <laughs> I'm like, I think I won. But to be honest with you, I don't even know if he tried to race. He
1: was but it <laughs> you was, went. It, I did. Hey, you know what? You won that one. It doesn't I did. Matter. That's, I did. You know, I do that move all the time. It's just like you look at the other car next to you, it doesn't matter if they're racing. You get to the next slide or that car mile first, you're winning. I was going for it.
2: So Beck to your point about, you know, wet conditions oh, or something like yeah.
1: that.
2: A car like that, all the weights on the front, if you've got any tread, you're, you're in good shape. You, you may break the you back get a end good launch, loose, but breaking the back end loose, you live for that. Yeah,
1: that's what you want. Well, I definitely and did that. That's what I had when my first car was a Jeep Cherokee, and it just had just enough power that if I floor that thing, those back wheels are spinning like crazy, and it was awesome. That was my high school car that... I mean, being in Oregon, you know, raining as much as it did, that was really when you could get those things. I mean, I well, was—I think
0: that's the only way you get a Jeep Cherokee Cherokee to spin the back I wheels. I, it's on it a wet road. I
1: got it. I got it on some dry conditions a couple of times, but you know, just you, you hit it and you spin that wheel, and it just starts fishtailing, and then finally, you just get it to go. That's an awesome feeling when you really do get that kind of burnout. Uh, that, that was awesome.
2: So when I first moved down here. In into the uh, Tempe Chandler area in 1981, there were an awful lot of roads that were still unpaved, gravel roads, and you can oh yeah tear up those. That's where you can spend a lot of time learning how to steer with the accelerator, and that's just
1: yeah Yeah, the Tokyo drift. Oh yeah, I I did that one time. It didn't end very well.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, and the interesting thing is. I love that car. And it was one of those that, yeah, you know, it was so solid. Just when you close the doors, it was just boom. Mm-hmm. Then one night I was out with another guy that, that I knew, a good friend, that sold boats. And so he said, hey, let's I got to run by the, the shop. It's closed. So I got to run by the shop and pick something up. And then we'll, you know, go have a beer. We stopped at the shop and the uh, he had some beer in the fridge there. And he goes, yeah, I'm quitting next week. So who cares? So we ended up, we're sitting in this boat and we're talking and he goes, you know what? You should buy this boat. (laughs) I'm like, really? He goes, yeah, you should buy this boat. I'll make you a hell of a deal on this boat. It'll be great. (laughs) Sorry, Alex. So I sat there and we had quite a few beers. Ended up getting a great deal, but I bought this boat. And so then I, I get home and the next day the boat pulls up in front. He actually had some guys hook it up and pull it. And I'm looking at this thing and it weighs, I don't know, about three times as much it's a, tw- it's a twenty-foot speedboat with you know with a V-eight in it, and there's my <laughs> my car. You have the Capri at this point. I have the Capri. <laughs> it's yeah. It, it's not going to work. So that's that's why the Capri ended up going away. Yeah. But,
2: so that's one way to get the front tires off the ground. There you go.
0: <laughs> but it's funny, you know, why we get things, why we have certain things. I had to go and buy a pickup at that point. Yeah. Because I had to have something to pull the boat.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And when you're young, it just it all seems like a good
1: idea. Right. It's, yeah. I mean, when you're, when you're young, you just want to get whatever you can get and you want to just get behind a wheel and you want just something that can go. And then from there, as you get older, you start trying to explore where you haven't been, where you want to, you know, what you want your driving experience to be. What's important to you, I think is a big thing. Because obviously you could have people that I think you've mentioned in the past people that maybe don't even wash their cars. Because it doesn't matter to them; yeah. they're just yeah, the people they're going. They really from, don't care what it looks like. They're going it's, from A to B, and that's it. It gets them to work, or it gets them to the store, right? But then the, you have other people that will spend, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars on their car. It, yeah, more more invested in their car than they have in anything else in their life. Yeah, more than their home, which is crazy to me.
2: The sound systems they put in are worth more than there you go. Other that's, people's cars. That's yeah. another thing. Goodbye you know, a whole Mr. Separate
0: Car, Mr. Jim McCarty, who's been on. Oh, you yeah. know, he's, he's got quite the sound system in it his sounds, pickup.
1: It sounds really nice. It sounds great.
0: I wonder about the, the sound systems that make the whole car rattle. You yeah. know, it's, uh, you
1: have to, it's, it's the subwoofers that people put in their cars. There's, there's a level that you cannot go past. And some people want to put two twelves in the back of a civic and then, you know, ride that down the road. And it's like that car doesn't need more than one. 10, it just rattles everything. You know? So it's just, so that's, it's crazy.
2: Kind of like Ian putting two twelves in a pickup cap.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, for sure. And, you know. You know <laughs> yeah.
2: So you, there are some vehicles that in retrospect you wonder what was I thinking? Yeah. And <laughs> so, you know, we bought the pickup for Ian when he was still going to Corona. Oh yeah. And you know, there there were a couple of things that played into that. The price was right. Um, it was stick and I, I definitely wanted him to learn how to drive stick and it was a pretty good sized vehicle. He was going to be safer in it than, you know, the people around him would be in the event of, you know, any toward incident. But at the time we weren't factoring in the, the idea of him going to college in Flagstaff. Right. Had that (laughs) been an inkling a pickup truck would not have yeah. been the first it's choice. Not the, I, you know, there's no best on on gas mileage when it comes to the well, hills. I wasn't even too worried about the gas mileage, just the drivability. There's no, yeah. weight there's, there's in the no way to the back end of a truck. It's,
1: so yeah, I mean, so throw, throw At that point, it's it's hard to get it around when it comes, to it's wet or snowy or anything like that. Right? Yeah. You can lose well, the back end really yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: And yeah. Okay. Which is very relevant. Having said
2: that, now that, we have the pickup back. I love having, you know, the
0: pickup. Well, having a truck, yeah. The The only problem with the truck, that's why I put the cover right. on mine. I make sure I have the cover on it because nobody asked me to help them move at that point. <laughs> because if you've got a truck with, with no cover on the back and anything can go in it, yeah. now all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're helping everybody you move. You are
1: now the new U-Haul that people want to call yeah, it's when crazy. they need some help to move well, something
2: kind of got around that. I'm not available, but the truck is. There you go. <laughs> I Which I've is, had a lot of people borrow that pick that pickup has been lent dozens of times.
0: Well, you know, here's another one. And, charge I, people and I don't know if you guys have have known <laughs> have known people like this. I do. Uh I can remember several people that you don't drive my car.
2: I don't care. You don't Own, drive my car. Only I you could be laying
0: car. there bleeding to death and they'll look at you and go, "Don't drive my car. Let me die." Yeah. I just I've never understood that. I, I had some friends, a, a friend of mine that that bought a new Camaro in mid 70s, and he's like, "Yeah, nobody drives my car.
2: I'm like, I'm, Why? Well, it, it's I'm sort of that way with the Dodge. Um, I've driven the
0: Dodge, so so I, maybe you can so enlighten I, us a little bit. I
2: I've bit my tongue and let a lot of people drive it, including well you and yeah you know, even what is even your- Zach when he was. So you bit your face. tongue to let
1: me so, drive it? So what, Not you. What is, what is your <laughs> okay. what is your worry? Wrecking it? Maybe. I yeah. don't
2: know. It's a personal relationship you have with your vehicle. Okay. No, I did. I, I <laughs> just. I
1: mean, it's. It, so it's like an ownership thing. It's like it's like your your wife or your you know anyone who's in your like you know uh-oh, uh-oh, relationship. Uh oh. Uh oh. Oh. No, no. Sorry, I didn't. No, I didn't. No, no, no. no, no. no wow, no, no, wow. No, no, wow no, that was a really bad I, way. I'm to put calling that. I'm this so out. Sorry. No, 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 no. This was
0: great because <laughs> this is not going to be cut
2: because
1: I edit these things. No, no. no. It's an ownership okay. issue like your. Wife? no no no. okay so that sounds really like in the sense that you wouldn't want anyone else to drive Me Too her is going to come drive your wife in the sense that like you're you're not going to want to <laughs> you may want to her. you want to
0: back off of this yeah, a little okay. bit okay Maybe so we're gonna stop we're change,
2: gonna change your perspective
0: yeah ooh, okay, okay there i think we all need more. one no but it's i understand what you're saying yeah it's so it's it yeah it's like i don't want anybody else to have this yeah i have it so nobody else can have it possessive but I've never understood that. I mean, even when I bought new cars, and I bought two new cars in my life. That's yeah. all I'm ever going to have. Yeah. I bought the the uh, Mercury Capri and I bought a Toyota Celica in 84. When they changed totally changed the body style and they had the sloped front and the pop-up oh, headlights.
1: Oh yeah. Those are cool.
2: It's not every car that I have or had that I that way. No, you know?
1: totally. Yeah. It's 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 that specific, it's that dream car almost, right? It's that car that you yeah, again it's 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 I think at that point it, it becomes possessive
0: yeah. yeah no but I I like I said I've, I've known people that have, have been that way even to the point where they get they would get angry I mean it's just there's no way that they would ever let you drive it yeah but yeah I mean it that's the thing is there are people like we talked about there are people you know Pat my great friend Pat and not only does he drive whatever he drives which now I believe it's a 2016 or
1: 17. Uh, Mustang GT. Now, didn't he let you drive that from the convenience store that we were at the last time we were there from there? Well, home? he
0: didn't have that at that point. When last time we were there. He had another Mustang. He had a different Mustang. Okay. Yeah. All right. I think, you know, Pat's, you know, he, he'll, he'll let you, he'll let you drive it. You yeah. know, he'll let you touch it. He's good. <laughs> breathe, he's, breathe near it. He's, he's good in that regard. <laughs> you know, Pat shares. <laughs> Hi, Brenda. Um, uh, but you know the thing about uh, Pat is that he restores a lot of vehicles right you know and he's gone through the whole thing with the Camaros.
1: now when it comes and, to that if you're if you're restoring a whole vehicle I can totally understand maybe not having other people drive that's I mean you put everything into that car oh well, yeah built it from the ground up I mean it's'
0: I Well, don't and, know, and not only not. that but some of his vehicles I mean you can drive them but if you don't know what you're doing these are race cars yeah yeah <laughs> you know, so, so these things you can really, you know, injure these are at that point. Yeah. These are, you know, big block Chevy turbocharged 300 plus horsepower. Oh, 500. These. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's up over 500. Yeah. You got to know what you're doing. Otherwise, you know, good luck. Yeah. You know, you're just all going to all of a sudden going to find yourself, you a know, hostile. in a ditch or, or someplace else. But, but again, there's such a wide range. You know, one of the things that, that has always killed me is, is the guy that, that goes out, or girl now, yeah. you see that from time to time, that buys the big four-wheel drive pickup. Okay, so you've got this monster, three-quarter ton, huge four-wheel drive pickup, and then you jack it up. Oh, Okay, yeah. let's get that baby up in the
1: air. Get it like three, and four then inches they, up there.
0: And then they put they put these monster tires on it.
1: Making that, a monster truck, basically.
0: Yeah, okay. And the tires make so much noise going down the road, you need you need headphones. You know, you can't hear yourself think or talk in these things and they never take it off the road. It never
1: sees the dirt meeting. A lot of people that would think that that was the thing to do. I would think that there's rare occasions that that doesn't get off of the road.
2: But if the apocalypse comes, they're prepared.
0: Well, there you go. Then they can go, they, they cruise right over the
1: top of the
2: zombies, man,
0: except
2: I totally went there store gas. So, you know, they have the ability, but,
1: you can you can throw a gas tank in the back of that thing, but no one does. Yeah, that's that's one thing as well that you really have to put into account when it comes to what are you driving, gas mileage.
0: Well, and, that, and that's the other thing. You know, now we've decided with that we're backing off of of what the restrictions we put on vehicles, new vehicles. We were trying to get to fifty miles to gallon with everything new. Yeah. I don't know that I believe in that. You know, that's that's a lofty goal. That's crazy, and it takes into so- account. I, I, it makes an assumption that everybody is after the same thing with vehicles and I think that's what we're talking about tonight because everybody's after different things yeah with vehicles but you're absolutely right if you've got something that that's say the hybrids so running around here to the store and down to the corner and that kind of stuff you're electric yep and then you know you're, you you're drive to 48 California 50 miles Flagstaff. to the gallon yeah you know with a Prius going down the road. That's no fun to drive the way we've been talking about driving tonight. But if you think about the money you're saving. But you when you get there and you've spent $7. You're going to have a, a little bit more fun when you're there's, there. There's a draw with that as well. There is,
1: absolutely.
2: So you can have an awful lot of fun with a Tesla. Well, yeah. And, and that's,
0: you have the all. So here's the thing. Okay, you can get a Tesla for $100,000. Yeah. Or you can buy something really, really nice and have $60,000 in your pocket.
2: Yeah. Well,
1: and yeah, but is how, how long is that 60,000 going to last you for gas? It's a question you got to ask yourself. Uh, a so, few weeks at least. <laughs> so,
2: probably a topics for a different show, but you could get into cost of ownership of electric versus gas and by the time you factor in the premium on the initial price and then the battery life and cost to replace that and how you amortize that over the cost difference in fuel. Yeah. And then the other thing um, Do you feel like colors? it's close? Probably. I don't think so. No. I, I think at the end of the day, it's cheaper to own and operate electric a combustion for sure. engine. No than, way. Than electric. Really? Long, if you take total cost of ownership. Yeah, over yeah. From five, beginning to end years, of owning. Whatever. Wow. Um, and then the other thing that probably isn't talked about a lot, but it needs to be brought in is, you know, the. Um, greenness of that right so you don't right. see you know when you're driving you don't see the exhaust what you don't see are the oil fired electrical generating plants that are you know so yeah your your specific vehicle has it's no emissions less, but, but the electricity that was created to do that it. came from somewhere now <laughs> right not not all of that is you know coal or oil fired
1: obviously there's a lot of
0: some of it right it's alternative fuels but but again getting back to the cost of driving it you know because we can get and you're right john you can go deeply into yeah a lot of things about you know how the how things are generated you know the whether it's the electricity or or fossil fuels you know is there an end to fossil fuels at some point but the fact is what we're talking about tonight, I think, is is more focused in you want something that's economical, um, like you mentioned, with Ian going to college, okay? You know, he has that pickup, and it, it does cost money. You know, if you've got something that gets 12 to 15 miles to gallon, as opposed to 50 miles to gallon, where now he can come down and go back, and it costs him, you know, $8 as opposed to, you know, $45. Mm-hmm. So that's always a, a consideration for some people
2: and and again talking about gas mileage you almost have to talk about safety personal safety in the high mileage vehicles and generally um, they're less safe than the bigger heavier vehicles so well yeah. that's that's totally. true and and you know somewhere there's a trade-off and somebody said you know, we're willing to accept this number of increased traffic fatalities by putting lighter weight metals in the bodies of the cars to reduce the weight to increase the mileage. It's 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 a trade off. It's not clear. Um, well, you know, I mean, to me, John,
0: like you, I've been looking at this stuff for a long time, a lot of different vehicles over a lot of different years, and it's always been a trade off. You know, it's it's always been a trade off. I think that's between so between style between. Economy, I think that's what performance. This is all, all the about. different things.
2: So one of the interesting things with the um, Dodge, the engine technology there, the um, I forget what it variable timing transmission, or whatever VTT. Um, when you need it, you have all eight cylinders, but if you're at speed and just coasting along, it's running with four.
0: Right, and I remember. You- I
2: I can get in excess of 25 miles to the gallon and you know ideal long you know highway trips yeah and see that's fantastic it really is i remember
0: i remember when they first came out with uh 864 and my dad got a cadillac and when they initially came up with that technology it didn't work it was they they did it they put it out before it was ready and he had nothing but problems and he had this cadillac now
1: just to be clear for the people that have the perspective That's not yours. Thanks.
0: Drink's empty. Oh, took care of me. Thank you, Adam.
1: Well, I created it, so I wanted to finish that off. But yeah, okay. Having that, it's oh, sorry. He forgot to drink. But the four six eight is what you were calling it, right? It's it being able to switch between, like as you were saying, when you're automatically it switches, right? And it wasn't working. The, nope. technology,
0: the technology is very sound. And like John says, you know, he, yours does that?
2: It, it Between 4 and 8, yeah. and it So it is, never goes to 6, so it's just either 4 or 8. To my knowledge, it's either 4 or 8. Okay. And it is seamless. Um, the only thing that you can notice, and you really have to be paying close attention, is a, a slight change in pitch in the exhaust.
0: You know, that technology, which they tried, And I believe this was back in the 90s when my dad got that Cadillac and it didn't work. Now, the theory makes sense because when you're driving around town and you need the eight cylinders, okay, when you're pulling off the line, you're climbing a hill, all that kind of stuff. But if you're on flat freeway driving somewhere and you're cruising at, you know, 70 miles an hour, you don't need all eight cylinders. And so this would back off each time, depending on the load to whatever was needed. you know. I mean, my truck, I've got the Vortec V8, the 4.8, and it runs at 70 miles an hour. With the transmission that I have, it runs about
1: 1,800 RPMs.
0: And I get 23, 24 miles to gallon
1: with your that. Truck, the truck you have out there right yeah, now? Yeah, the one I have now. You know all that about your truck that you have out there right now? Yeah. All right, I know nothing about my car. Just well, continue. Well, and that's a millennial thing. See, it's
2: I, I don't understand not knowing. Right. I, I understand, you know, there's tons of people that, you know, a car is just one more appliance like a blender or an oven. Totally. But from my perspective, cars have never been that way. Yeah. I know. Mean, right. a, a car is, number one, it's uh, it's autonomy. John, and,
0: don't ruin this. Drink. Hey, but it's your perspective, man. Oh, my. You said it, man. So now, but the other thing of that is also generational. Yeah. I mean, back in the day. I used to work on my vehicles all the time because you had to change spark plugs all the time. You had to change points before it was electronic ignition. You had to set the points or you could take it in some guy and he charge you an arm and a leg to do this. Yeah. You know, but every, every three or four or 5,000 miles you had to go and do this. Now, at one point I had a, a Volvo 164. So it was a six cylinder, four door. Gotta love Volvo.
2: So going back to points and I, I'm probably going to regret Do you know what a feeler gauge is a feeler gauge feeler feeler gauge gauge.
1: I mean (laughs) I mean his his
2: response could be scary
1: unless it's like you know what you're feeling off like a you know like a female or something as you're like going into a bar or something like that it could be in some cases used in that regard but not normally okay (laughs) I just like that's my feeler gauge that's where I was at so what's your feeler gauge
2: so it's a set of very thin metal strips in um, increments of thousands thousandths of an inch and, you know, five thousandths, ten thousandths, whatever. And you would use this to set the gap on your points so that they were at the precise distance apart for yeah. optimal running.
0: Do so you have a cam coming up that has lobes on it? And we could get into this. Yeah. And, it, and everybody would turn off this and never listen to us again because we're not going to so go too far. But anyway, I had a Volvo, this 164. It's like a 78. It was a great car. But the fact, if you didn't have the point set correctly, the transmission wouldn't shift right. It would overheat. The whole car would not work. Everything about the car would not work. But you got that set just right. It had three times the power it normally did. It never overheated. The transmission was, was like butter. Everything was great. But if you didn't have it right, you were done. I mean, I'm, And it wouldn't last much more than a month or two months, and you'd
1: have to do it all over again. That sounds great. No, no. Really, really. There's and, nothing about it that's and, great. And you
2: also had to have a timing light. It's, yeah. Well, hopefully you never
0: <laughs> messed with the distributor and moved the distributor around, so, yeah.
2: Well, if you changed your cam... Oh no! You, I never not, got into
0: the motor, so John, I'm not going to let you go there. Okay, yeah, I'm not. Well, we're, we're we're coming. We're closing down here to the end of our podcast tonight, so we're not going to go timing light. We're and, totally and changing get into the that cam another time, though. More and, on that later. And all of the. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, that you know, the, the, again, the bottom line with all of this is the fact that everybody has a different idea of a vehicle and what they need. There's so many vehicles out there, and there's so many people that have. a a different idea of what their needs are and some people their vehicles are their most important possession and other people they're just something that they tolerate to get them from point A to point B right and then there's everything in between
1: it's true it's uh it's interesting just to look at that I think that's the whole purpose of this podcast was just it's it's so diverse in 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 the reasons people have the cars that they have yeah so one final question to all of us a quick answer uh, what is the scariest place that you've ever now that you've ever driven in? Now it could be that you were driving or maybe that you were in the in the car while it was being driven. but where is the scariest place you've ever been in the car while it was driving?
0: Well, it's easy for me.
1: Ours might be the same I'm, I'm, well you
0: know, I don't think so because you, <laughs> you were even a concept okay all right at the time uh, a lot of years ago, uh, I was in Newport one night. Yeah, Bonnie's sister and brother-in-law had driven from Southern California and made it to Coos Bay, and they ran out of money. And this is, you know, long before the idea of sending somebody money on their phone and all that kind of stuff. I mean, this this is, yeah, this is seventies. Yeah. So I was asked to drive down. This was, I think, on a Friday or Saturday night.
1: How long of a drive is that?
0: That's ninety-five miles, basically somewhere in that. And it's down the coast highway. So it's, it's not straight by any means. It's not going down the freeway, yeah. but it's from Newport to Coos Bay hour and a half. Um, yeah, you would think no, (laughs) maybe Uh, on a brilliant sunshiny summer day. Yeah. It's two and a half hours. (laughs) There's a lot of 30 mile an hour corners on this. Yeah. Okay. This particular night, there was so much fog that you couldn't see more than I would say. Realistically, more than 15 or 20 feet in front of the car. So you're driving in this fog. Now you're, there's a fog line. So there's a white strip on, on the side of the road. And that's what you're watching. That's telling you where the road is going because you can't see it's gray nothingness.
1: Oh yeah. I've been there.
0: Okay. So it was the, one of the foggiest nights I ever remember. So we took off and on our way to Coos Bay. And the thing that I remember the most, is we started coming in and right before you get to coos bay there's a bridge that goes over the bay and i remember coming up on that and the fog had cleared just enough where there's the two uh, posts on on either side of the bridge yeah that are decorative and my depth perception at that point was gone i couldn't tell where i was to anything because i had wow. been looking into this grayness yeah. for so long my eyes had not focused on anything and i remember driving to the center line because there was nobody else was on the road. Nobody was stupid enough to be, be driving out driving that, time, that night. Yeah. I remember straddling the line because I wasn't sure whether I was going to drive into one of these huge oh my gosh. pylons on both sides of the bridge driving mm-hmm. over it.
1: The thing that was scary to me when driving in those conditions with the fog like that, especially up in Oregon, is is the wildlife that would pop out at any moment in time and oh, you just yeah. have no time to react at that point. You
0: know, yeah, I didn't even so think about that. I just itself. I just remember getting there and I had no depth perception whatsoever. My eyes hadn't focused for 3 hours. Okay.
1: All right, John, what's your scariest driving moment?
2: Oh, there's probably or a
1: riding moment.
2: Oregon, Mount Hood. Okay. And I was going from east to west and on the east side we were getting light rain. Yeah. And I came over the top point and okay. started going down so it came good. in
1: it, it became snow and at some point no no, no okay it,
2: it visibly everything looked absolutely the same okay except that the truckers in the oncoming lane yeah all have their hand out the window and they're going down 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 yeah and i'm thinking well, that's weird so i tapped the brakes black ice as far as you could see
1: oh geez
2: so i and i've driven yeah you know, here many times and i know you know about half a mile up the road takes a, a bend to the right okay and you know normally no big deal but i'm saying am i going to have time to get any scrub any speed yeah before i get there and you know fortunately i did it and yeah the the other thing you, know, you want to make sure that you don't lock the wheels. You want to them with the brake. It, right. it not even tap, but just barely drag. Yeah, so, you, you know, can't you, slam. As yeah, soon and, as you slam it, you're done. Yeah, and fortunately I made that. Um,
1: you knew what you were doing at the time.
2: So one of the other, yeah, you know, I used to do a lot of uh, long drives. Okay. And your mind starts to play games with you at 4.30 or 5 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I can imagine. And... You Does that st- whether you're you, driving or not? I'll tell you that. Yeah. You know. I, and I'm talking <laughs> dead, straight, sober. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Nothing. And you start hallucinating. Oh, you man. start seeing people running out in front of the car. Yeah. And oh, it's just weird. <laughs> I think that's, a, yeah, you, and, you know, know, that's the time it, to pull over not, at that well, point. <laughs> but it's, you know, you're in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> right.
1: You can't, uh, I've, I've done it before. Uh, I have pulled over and slept so, in the car for a second.
2: Yeah. Fortunately, I was, you know, Almost all the time uh, alone on those, so I wasn't, you know, didn't have the kids, family, or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Driving for work, um, I was trying to get cross country and. Black you know, ice is nothing hours. to
1: mess with, though. That's some oh, of the scariest yeah. In in the in the world.
2: And like I said, I was driving along, and I didn't even realize.
1: Yeah, what that's it was. The, that's the thing about um, it. That's what kills you is you and, don't see it.
2: Yeah. I well, no thought those truckers knew what was happening.
1: Right. No, they giving you a little heads up. Oh, that's that's cool. I mean honestly I've that's a really cool story and about how they helped it, you.
2: Oregon, going down I five in the fog, just hours of fog. I like you. Yeah, I hated that.
1: Oh yeah. I five no, it's, it's, it's terrible. Oh, i five I'd, in Oregon's not fun to
0: drive. Because you I'd, can't you can't see, you can't focus. And that was the big thing with me, is yeah. is for all that period of time your eyes have nothing to focus on. Yep. So your depth perception just goes away.
2: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I made a lot of those, you know, from Portland to like Wairika or something. It's it just stressful.
1: So I I actually have I have one while I was driving and I was I was in Mount Hood actually at the, at the time I decided that I was going to take my Hyundai Tiburon to our snowboarding lodge up at the top of Mount Hood and that was a good idea. So me and two other buddies, so three guys, three ge- you know sets of gear, snowboards and such, piled into my Tiburon. And headed up the mountain uh we got up there and then we had a successful day we, we we snowboarded we had great time it was heading down that was the troubling part because driving in snow is if you don't know what you're doing is, is very very scary but especially driving around other people because you don't know what they know and this car in front of me uh, was apparently trying to pick someone up but they didn't seem like they were going to stop when they stopped they just kind of slammed on the brakes and luckily skid to a stop shortly after that but i didn't know what was going on and they weren't tapping on their brakes at all so i had to swerve out of the way and then barely missed them that was one of the scariest moments i've ever had when driving just driving in snow it's it's just a a scary thing but by far the scariest moment i've ever had when it comes to driving was in barbados or or not driving but like being driven and being in a car i mean when the when the driver asks your dad who's in the passenger seat to stick his hand out of the window and start wiping down the windshield because there's too much fog being generated and and there's so much rain happening that you couldn't see out the front window that was one of this that was the scariest moment i've ever had while being in a car By
0: far. Well, the interesting thing about that is Barbados, I had every intention of renting a car for the two weeks that we were there. Yeah. Until I saw the way that people drive.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: And I'm like, okay, I'll just, you know, I'll hire William to take us everywhere we want to go. Oh,
1: yeah. Because I'm not driving in this. This is crazy. Being in the buses there, you're going 45, 50 miles an hour around corners, and they're honking and waving to the other bus drivers that are going around next to them with a foot and a half in between the buses. It's insane. Now, the other end of this is
0: vehicles you own that you feel totally safe in driving in any conditions. And that's, you know, again, another piece of this is, uh, and I I go back to the Murano, you know, with all-wheel drive and the way that that car was set up, it was so stable in every situation. So, you know, that's another reason to get you know, a particular vehicle is because if you're driving in those kinds of conditions, you know, we live in Arizona, so we don't really deal with, with, you know, hazardous driving conditions. It rains down here and people don't know what to do. Right. Which I find hilarious. It's, it's great. But, and not.
2: Yeah. Speaking of that, it was interesting in Martinsville and a little bit of snow and seeing the cars in the ditch. I just fascinated yeah. by hot. I mean, not even other cars around. They just did this all by themselves. I yeah. just
0: Yeah. And that's, you know, again, that's another issue with where you're driving. You know, you drive in Oregon, you drive in rain all the time. I moved to Southern California for a while in the 70s. And all of a sudden it rains for 20 minutes and people are pulling over. They're like, I can't drive in this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're from Wisconsin. So, I mean, you've got inclement weather, you've got snow, you've got ice, you've got all these things you deal with on a daily basis. You can't stop your life. But I remember in Oregon when we, we would get, you know, a quarter of an inch of snow oh, yeah. and they're closing the schools, Totally, you know, it's like we can't go
1: anywhere. We can't expect people to drive in these conditions. Are you kidding me?
0: So it's it really <laughs> depends on where you're from. OK, so we've touched on vehicles for the first time. Yeah. Obviously, as you can tell, that we're all over the place tonight. We've got a lot more to talk about. That's for sure. And a lot more uh, to explore with this. More to come later. But, uh, yeah, absolutely. John, thank you for, for coming out with us tonight.
2: It oh, was fun. I enjoyed. Yeah. And
0: uh, we will, we'll touch on this again soon.
1: Yeah. yeah. I appreciate it, guys. And if you want, there's going to be more perspectives later. Yeah. Who are the good ones, the good ones of today? Point them out to me so
0: I can come and join their way. We'll walk around this land with open hands Looking for change, we'll want to understand It's progression we have a hand Humanity is killing wheat, for this we will not stand I say let's progress in good contest Make conference and love our best. Our onslaught of love will be at an all time high,
1: crashing like waves on some ponderosa pines. Our love that makes no sense. We who spend love at no expense, we are a force of passion, creating a new faction, taking action, working hard just for the satisfactions. With the abilities to shine so bright that others wanna fight
0: because our light is in their eyes. Ladies and gentlemen, we all skies Don't remain mystified by their lies Can't trust us, but we will
1: teach you how to be true Teach you how to speak the truth But oh, we stand here and listen to you No longer hinder, for love is the spark And we are its tender we are the good ones
0: The good ones of today We're sending out a call for you to come and join our way We gotta do everything before death